You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh, hi. There you are. Welcome along to another show. So delightful to see you again. This week, I'll be telling you about a pair of movies that you might want to watch through your fingers. Two films that shock in very different ways, even for today's audience. Yes, movies from the Golden Age weren't always the safe, cuddly entertainments we assume they were. And the two movies I'll be telling you about later are proof of that. Firstly, though, I'm just off to make some coffee for everyone at the old police station. Yes, I've recently taken a part-time job as a desk sergeant. You know, earn a few extra coins for the old groceries. <laughs> Only thing is, you're, you're forced to meet the oddest people. There's one fella, for instance keeps flashing people in the park. He's always at the station, sitting there on the bench, hoisting up his raincoat. The only way to make him behave himself is to keep supplying him with cups of coffee. For some reason, he keeps flashing his way back to police custody. Makes you wonder why. Oh, no. What's wrong? Oh, it's your coffee again. The desk sergeant at the station makes better coffee than this. Ed, really? Sorry, honey, but your coffee tastes terrible. Carol really needs to improve her coffee, not just for my sake either. I'm thinking more about the poor members of the over-70s outdoor yoga society. Nothing puts you off your lotus posture like the sight of Ed opening his raincoat. Mr. McGregor, please help me. Carol, what's the matter? My coffee. Ed says he gets better coffee at the police station. Why not try new instant Folgers? Instant Folgers? No, I said new instant Folgers, Carol. Poor old Carol's having a right old mansplainy morning, isn't she? Tastes good as fresh perked. Because it's made from fresh perch coffee. Then they actually turn that fresh perch coffee into new instant Folgers. Tastes good as fresh perch because it is fresh perch. Mr. McGregor, I'll try it. Please do, Carol. To be honest, we're a bit tired of seeing Ed freshly perked. Hey, the Sarge never made coffee like this. It's new instant Folgers. Tastes good as fresh perch. I like it better. Quite honestly, the last thing Ed needs is more stimulation. Try new instant Folgers. Tastes good as fresh perked, because it is. The lesson here is that if the coffee at home is good enough, then folks like the Beale Park Model Aircraft Society get to spend the day outside in peace. I love coffee, I love tea. I love the Java Java and it loves me. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, boy. I love Java, sweet and hot. Whoops, Mr. Moto, I'm a coffee fine. Shoot me the pot now, pour me a shot. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, slip me a slug from the wonderful mud. I'll cut a rug till I'm stuck in the jug. A slice of onion and a raw one. Draw one. Wait a wait a percolator. 
with Java Jive. Lovely stuff. Some alternative classic movie star quiz time shenanigans today. Usually we play Who the Hell is That Hollywood Legend? Where you play along with a classic edition of What's My Line and try to identify their golden age guest star. This week we're playing along in a different way and dropping into a very special episode of the game show I've Got a Secret, which ran from 1952 until 1967 and which saw a celebrity guest popping in with a secret that the panel had to guess. This week's star is a name you all know and love, so let's drop into I've Got a Secret and see if you can tell, before the panel do, what Basil Rathbone's secret is. First of all, Merry Christmas. And a Merry Christmas to all our listeners, don't you think so? I think so, definitely. It was very kind of you to give up your Christmas evening for us. Let's hope it turns out to be fun for you. Yes, I think it will be. I, it's a very nice-looking panel, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. Half of it, anyhow. I'll That's take. what I meant. Now, before we go on with the game, let me explain that Mr. any money that Mr. Rathbone wins will go to his favorite charity. Now, will you tell me your secret, please, sir? At the same time, we will show it to the folks out there. <laughs> I think that's very festive. Is this an be honor? Be good. Be good. <laughs> Is this an honor of Christmas? Well, it might be, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, let's, let, let's not give anything away. Let's uh, uh, tell the panel only, starting with Miss Jane Meadows, that this concerns something that Mr. Rathbone is doing. Something you're doing? Yes. Have you been doing this, Mr. Rathbone, for more than 20 years? Uh, well, uh, no. As a matter of fact, I haven't. You haven't? No. Are you the only person in the world doing this thing? Uh, well, I should rather imagine not. <laughs> do you uh, although need... I do pity those others who are doing it. <laughs> do you need the help of others for doing this thing? <laughs> that could be very pleasant. <laughs> Can 
more than one person do this thing at a time? If they want to. Would a group of people be likely to do it, for instance, at a party? It would be fun. <laughs> it would certainly be fun watching them. <laughs> Mr. Rathbun, if you were to invite me to your house to a party, would you expect me to do this? <laughs> well, not this year. <laughs> I would have to give you a very definite no on no. that. Ten dollars down and seventy dollars to go. Mr. Henry Morgan, please. Uh, Mr. Rathbone, this may be uh, <coughs> a frivolous question, <laughs> but is your secret a little frivolous? Uh, yes, it is. Oh, well, now we can all relax. Okay. <laughs> You're sort of kidding about this thing, but it's... Yes, a... yes. I see. Okay. Well, he's actually, he's it's... actually doing it. He's not I, kidding I, I, the I, I know, it, but I No, no, thought... it is actually being done, but we are sort of kidding around. Yeah, an idea. okay, fine. Uh, then apparently, this is something you're doing right now. Yes. Uh... Can we see what you're doing? Uh, no, you can't, unfortunately. Oh, um... Uh, must be quite a sight. <laughs> Hear me, this makes the questioning rather awkward. Uh, <laughs> is it something you're doing... <clears throat> underneath, the, underneath the uh, desk uh, that you're sitting at? Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm sitting here quiet. I'll say yeah, partially. Uh, yes, partially, uh, you mean what I am doing... Is it, are you doing it underneath the desk? And I think you can only say partially. Yes. Yeah. 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 Is it partly something that you're being rather than doing? Or is it actually no, doing? No, it's something that I am... I must use the word doing. I think you, you can't use being in this... Uh, well, we had... Um, this peculiar okay, what was it, the cans? <laughs> yeah. 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 Was... <laughs> Henry, you had a question on the tip of your tongue, and because it's Christmas, I'll let you ask it even though the buzzer rang. Well, I just was going to say, was it something like uh, when Dick Hames was here who was sitting on his own hat, on Colin's hat, uh, well, it's a, like yes, it's, it's a gag. Yes, it's a gag. All right, let's uh, call it a gag. All right, Miss Carlyle. Twenty dollars well, down and sixty dollars to go. Miss <laughs> Kitty Carlyle. Are you sitting on something that we should know about? How <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 she ask him that? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Aren't you asking some rather personal questions tonight? <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. I Very admire trouble. you so as an actor that I'm afraid to ask you personal questions. Oh, bless you. Well, now, well, uh, yes, I think you might say that I am sitting on it. Uh, is it, is it partially. <laughs> partially? Only one side of it? No, I'm full on it. You're full on it? Yes, I'm full on it. Is it between you and the chair? <laughs> Part of it is. Is it, is it like your clothes or between you and the clothes in the chair? Yeah, yes, 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 it is, it is. I don't know the answer to those questions. Well, no, what I mean is, is it, is it part of your clothes that we're looking for? Well, it's, uh, no, uh, oh, dear. Mm. <laughs> it's a part of my clothing as I sit here tonight, yes. Like underwear? Yes, uh, $30 yes. down and $50 to go, Miss Jane Meadows. How about me? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm old enough to discuss underwear. <laughs> I've, I've been around a little, you know. <laughs> please, please do come in and discuss underwear. Huh? Yes. This uh, under. Uh, am I interested in knowing? Uh, probably yes. Uh, <laughs> but I want to know uh, something about the particular uh, undergarment you are wearing tonight. Is that right? I think you ever have every right to know something about it. Is it is it decorated for one reason or another? Uh, yes. Is it uh, decorated in the spirit of Christmas? Yes. Well, let's get this one over. Is it your shorts that I'm discussing? 
No. Your undershirt? No. I pass. <laughs> you can't pass. You can't. Kitty Carlisle knows, but it's too late. Well, you can't answer. Your socks. No. no. Suspenders aren't underwear. Is it your suspenders? Aren't your... Were they? Your suspenders? Nope. $40 down and $40 to go. Well, I don't know very much about men's underwear other than shorts and suspenders. And a shirt? Is it a shirt? No. No. Think back in the... Think back a little bit. You wear a longie? What about... Is it old-fashioned underwear? Yes. It is. Is it long red flannel Yes, who'd have thought it? Basil Rathbone wore long red flannel underwear. And that yelp of delight you heard at the end there was Basil himself hoisting up his trouser leg to prove it. More classic Golden Age quiz shenanigans next week. On now to a pair of films that sent me into winces for very different reasons. There's definitely a tendency to believe that just because a film is old, it's going to be safe and suitable for everyone. That is definitely not always the case, especially with movies from the pre-code era, which ended in 1934. So first up today, a film that opens on a scene in which you'll be yikesing all over the place. 1933's Murders in the Zoo, starring Lionel Atwell, Randolph Scott, Gail Patrick, Charlie Ruggles, and Kathleen Burke. Quickly, let's go into the story. Big Game Hunter and millionaire philanthropist Eric Gorman, played by Atwill, hates it when other men try it on with his incredibly beautiful young wife, Evelyn, played by Kathleen Burke. Yes, mysteriously. Those who try their luck with Evelyn seem to die mysterious deaths. The latest victim is Roger Hewitt, who meets his demise at a charity dinner gala thing at the zoo itself. It looks like a snake bite. What do we have in any snakes with fangs as wide as that? Maybe he's a member bite. See if that mammal's in his cage. If it is a member, that tourniquet's no good. I've seen a dozen cases like that in India. He was dead within five minutes. You mean there's a snake loose in there among all those people? Come on, get everybody away from that table. I'll do what I can, but there's no way to toxin. There's nothing you can do for him. Hewitt has been seemingly killed by the bite of an escaped snake, but it isn't long before the clues begin to point to Gorman. And when Evelyn herself is killed by accidentally falling into a crocodile enclosure, investigating scientist Jack Woodford, played by Randolph Scott, decides to take action. Yes, what is it, Woodford? You'd better hurry over here right away. I've just made a discovery that will interest you. I'm not interested in anything you have to say until it comes up in court. Suits me perfectly. On second thought, I'm going to hold back what I've found out until we get to court. What do you mean? I don't care to discuss it over the phone. Oh. All right. Uh, I'll come over. This sounds like so many of those universal horrors that played as B features during the 30s and 40s. The difference between all those low-rent shockers and this one, though, is that this one has the balls to go a little bit grislier. Take the first murder for instance, which opens the film. Now, there's no easy way to say this. The film opens on a man being held down by several other men and having his mouth sewn up by a cackling Lionel Atwill. A Mongolian prince taught me this, Taylor. An ingenious device for the right occasion. You'll never lie to a friend again. And you'll never kiss another man's wife. And yes, it is as wince-inducing as it sounds. But this is an old movie, you cry. Surely you don't see anything. 
Well, yes, you might think that. Until the poor man stumbles into a close-up shot and you see the horrifying amateur needlework up close for yourself. Truly. In terms of gore, it does subside a little after that, even though the shocks still swing towards the nasty. A woman is literally fed, screaming, to a swarm of very real crocodiles. Scalpels are employed to operate upon the swollen, distended leg of a snakebite victim. A man is viciously attacked and subsequently crushed to death by a very real boa constrictor. And if that wasn't enough, there's a skin-crawling scene in which Atwill reveals himself to be a man who, shall we say, helps himself when it comes to his wife's affections. Yes, from the dialogue in play, it's very, very clear that he's in the habit of doing as he pleases when it comes to making love. I never saw you look more beautiful. Yes, Eric, now I know. Now you're going to make love to I never me. wanted you more than I do at Oh, you're moment. not human. I'm not going to kiss you. You're going to kiss me. Kiss you? I hate you. So a very nasty movie in lots of ways. The nastiest, it has to be said, is the addition of Charlie Bloody Ruggles to the plot, who plays a hapless animal-hating press agent for a zoo who jabbers and double-takes through half the film. Why on earth the writers thought that this was a good idea? I will never know. What you're left with is a very queasy seesaw of a movie that bumps and rises hideously through scenes of grisly murder and deviance juxtaposed with vaudeville comedy. It really does not work. Oddly, the reason I would insist upon you seeing this is not the scrungy murder scenes, the pitiful comedy, the ultra-bland hero leads, or the animal stock footage, but for the sight of Atwill at his slithery villainous best. And for the absolutely luminous Kathleen Burke as his ill-fated wife, this is most certainly a marriage from hell for the ages. Yet they do still manage to hold your attention in a very tightly clenched fist. It's a hard film to recommend. For the gore hounds, Murders in the Zoo is tame compared to today's standards, but very strong stuff for the 30s. For the comedy fans, it's far too dark and violent. So what you're left with is a film that has no real target audience, meaning that it's hard to know what to say, except... Ew. Okay, hands up if you've ever eaten out-of-date fish. Okay, okay, some of you. Hands up if you've ever found a wallet on the street and kept it. Ooh, lots of honest people out there, very good. Hands up if you've ever drunk white wine with steak. Oh dear, mainly offenders in the UK then. Come on guys, I thought we were better than that. Okay, last question then. Hands up if you've ever been in love with a member of your family. I've clenched my eyes shut because I don't want to know the answer. It's bad enough that I spent 74 minutes watching a movie about that very icky subject. Yes, it's a great big old barrel of yikes all round as Joel McRae. Irene Dunn and Laura Hope Cruz star in 1933's The Silver Cord. I have one gift. It is my ability to see what people have in them and to bring it out. I saw what Dave had in him even then, and I brought it out. Irene Dunn and Joel McRae play Christina and David Phelps, a pair of newlyweds who stop in on their way back to New York to spend a little time with David's mother. Society matron Mrs. Phelps, played by Laura Hope Cruz. Also in the household are David's brother Robert, played by Eric Linden, and his fiancée Hester, played by Joel McRae's real-life wife, 
Francis D. Oh, I'm not asking for credit or praise. I'm asking for something more substantial. I'm asking you, my dear Christina, not to take all my boy's heart. Leave me just a little, little part of it. I think I've earned that much. I might even say, you owe me that much. As David's mother, I believe I've deserved it. Don't you think I have? Well, my dear, dear Mrs. Phelps, you must know that I shall never come between a mother and her son. Thank you, my dear. You can tell old Mrs. Phelps is slightly off her nut when she starts playing insidious mind games with her sons and their girlfriends, slowly and surely turning them against their relationships in the most unsavoury ways. Yes, apparently, Mrs. Phelps seems to think that it's okay if her boys never leave the warmth of her bosom in order to find love and live their lives, and that's because she wants them all for herself. Literally. Let's tell Mother. Now, in front of everybody? Sure, it won't hurt them to hear. Well, I don't mind if they don't. We'll make Mother so happy. What will? A surprise Christina and I have got to spring on you. How nice. What is it? In about five months, I'm going to have a baby. Isn't that a grand surprise, Mother? Why, of course, Dave. I'm very glad, my dear. Very you got a napkin there, Robin. I've spilled my cocktail all over my dress. I mean, talk about your uncomfortable situations. There's no beating about the bush in this thing. Mrs. Phelps isn't just some mother who wants her boys close because she's lonely. She's in love with them. Yep, actually in love with her sons. It's a situation you could never, never have gotten away with after 1934, even though this was based upon a much-watched play. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not all grossness. There's some quite progressive stuff in here. For starters, Irene Dunn's character, Christina, is a doctor who plans to keep on working after marriage and support her husband. Ain't no way she's heading off to the kitchen to become a housewife. Turns out, as well, that Christina didn't just fall into marriage with David because that's what's expected of her. It took a lot of work, and in doing so, she actually fell deeply in love with him. But when she's faced with following the, it has to be said, conventional and stereotypical beliefs of the time, when Mrs. Phelps starts to work her dark powers against her daughter-in-law, she has absolutely no hesitation in choosing herself over her man. You see, Dave, I'm not beating about the bush. I'm not persuading you or wasting any time on tact. Do you want your chance or don't you? Because if you don't, I'll have to get over being in love with you the best I can. Christina's a really refreshing heroine in that respect, and her character also transforms the silver cord, aside from a few period details, into a story that really could play on stages and screens now and still have the same sinister, uncomfortable effect incestuous feelings though let's get this out the way i mean what an uncomfortable taboo for any movie doesn't matter that we know laura hope cruz isn't the real life mother of joel mccray when you see her planting a lingering and i mean lingering kiss on his lips while they're on a bed together it really does make the hackles on the back of your neck stand to attention it's bad enough that mrs phelps is an incredibly evil character anyway but this extra level of transgression really does turn her from a character you hate into one that turns your stomach. Now, there may be some amongst you who are saying to yourself right now, again, well, yes, but it's an old movie. It's not going to be that explicit, right? I mean, I'm sure all the incestuous feelings are merely implied. They're hinted at, but never vocalised, right? Nope. Well, I know, Mrs. Phelps, all about the legend of yourself as a great woman. You've built up these past 30 years for your sons to worship, but it hasn't taken me long to see 
that you're not fit to be anyone's mother. See him now. Better go on, she'll explain that or reject it. Well, I'm only too glad to explain. That's what I've been leading up to. And I'll begin by saying that if my baby ever feels toward me the way your sons feel toward you, I hope someone will take a little enamel pistol and shoot me because I'll deserve it. I've been insulted once too often. Oh, I don't mean to insult you. I offer a mother's love. How perhaps you scoff at that? Not if it's kept within bounds. I expect to love my baby with as much and as deep respect as I hope my baby will feel for me, if I deserve its respect. To love my baby unpossessively and above all, unromantically. No doubt this film trades on its sensational central conceit of a mother who is romantically in love with her sons, but I urge you to look past the ick factor, because as well as that quite uncomfortable device, you also have the quite riveting tale of a villain, an actual villain, who uses gaslighting and other psychological means to manipulate our players into doing battle with each other. It's not an easy film to watch, but it is, I think, kind of essential in terms of drama. I especially like the fact that it subverts the pre-code tag. Okay, so often you see the label pre-code shocker and you know what you're going to get. It's going to be sex, it's going to be violence, it's going to be something grisly. Well, this is a pre-code shocker that stands alone in that regard. It's shocking for a very different reason. I didn't live without romance. I found it and I'm proud to have found it where you say it doesn't belong. In motherhood. I found it in my two babies. And because of that, because it is a pre-code shocker that subverts the very label of what it means to be a pre-code shocker, I think you need to experience 1933's The Silver Cord at least once. A radio play filled with yikes now. I mean, talk about your mother problems. One of the best ever shows in terms of storytelling was Lights Out, who produced a wonderfully twisted tale of another girl who has serious issues with her mother-in-law. This is a supernatural chiller with a gloriously sinister atmosphere. Its name is Knock at the Door, and you'll soon see why. See you afterwards. Lights Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you, calmly but sincerely, to turn off your radio now. My name, Arch Oberlin. Tonight, another in our series of tales of the weird and the unusual. I, I plead with all mothers-in-law who listen to tonight's story not to send me poison pen letters. fact of the matter is, I like mothers-in-law. I'm really not responsible for what happens in the uh, twisted brains of my characters, am I? But first, before we start, Frank Martin has a word for you. And now, lights out. Everybody. Afraid to die? Who isn't? When I was just a kid, I used to wake up in the night and see the dark press and all around me. And I get so scared, I'd think I was dead, buried. I'd try to scream. I couldn't. My voice, I'd know I was dead. I'd know it. I'd throw off the cover. I'd cry out, Mother, Mother! Oh, why? Why did I yell out like that? Why should I be scared now? I want to die. I've got to die. It's cold here in the basement. I wonder if the grave is cold. Why don't I get it over with? The rope's around my neck. One step off the ladder and I'll hang and die. And I gotta die. I gotta die. The wages of sin 
saying they're deaf. Funny how I seem to hear the words, the way my father used to say them. The wages of sin. What was it, sin? No, it was hate. I killed her because I hated her. I remember the first time we met. Jay had just married me. And we were walking along the street to his house. like my ma. Really, you will. Well, I... Sure, she's swell. Best woman in the world. Is she? Well, I mean... Well, you're my wife now. Ella, that proves what I think of you, don't it? I guess it does. Oh, you and Ma will get along fine. <laughs> will this be a surprise to her? Well, here's the house. What do you think of it? Well, it's... All right. Yeah. Well, in we go. <laughs> Will Ma's eyes pop when she sees you? <laughs> pop right out, I'll bet you. Come on, Ma, open up. Got a surprise for you. Jay, where have you been, son? Where? Oh. Surprise, eh, Ma? Meet Ella. Jay, you brought home a woman. When she said it that way, right from that minute, I knew I hated her. And that's the way it was from then on. I wasn't Jay's wife to her, but a woman. Stranger in her house. And it was her house and everything in it. Nothing Jay's, everything hers. Ma, can I use your car to take Ella riding? Ma, mind if Ella plant some roses in your garden? Ma, is it all right if Ella... That's the way it was. Hers, hers, everything hers. All I had was Jay, and he wasn't much. You can't blame me, you hear me? You can't blame me for not standing it. All my life I'd had nothing, and at last I was married, and I still had nothing. Her house, her car, her money, her son, I couldn't stand it, I tell you. So I killed him. Why do I keep hearing Pa's words in my head? I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to do it, it's... Just that I want to sit here on top of a ladder and think and talk about everything for a little while. It's the last chance I'll get. So, like I said, I killed him. Well, not right away. I stood it for weeks and months. But all the time inside of me, something was talking. And then louder and louder until my head was filled with it. Louder and louder until I couldn't stand it no more. Louder and louder until I said, yes, I'll do it. Yes. Yes. Everything would be mine then. Everything. I always wanted it that way. It had to be that way. Here in this basement, that's where it happened. Jay went to work. I came down here. Oh, it wasn't very hard to do what I had to do. I remember every minute of it so well. Every minute. I called her, and she came down into the basement. You call me, Ella? Yes, I called you. What's the matter? Somebody took the lid off the sewer down here. Land sakes alive. Now, who could have done that? Heavy iron cover like that. They wouldn't have done it. Is it deep down there? Of course it's deep. Ain't a sewer anyway. Covers an old well this building was built over. Oh. What are you owing about? Heard my son Jay tell you the same thing weeks ago. Yes, he did tell me. Funny, I forgot. Oh, look. What? Down in the well. Look. I I don't see nothing. Well. 
It's your will, isn't it, Mama? Your will. Everything is yours, so it's your will, isn't it, Mama? Your will. Everything is yours, so stay in it. Stay in it, Mama. Stay in it. Your will, Mama, but everything else is mine now. Everything mine, mine. <sighs> That's the way it was. Easy. Too easy. Day came home. He said... Yellow, where's Ma? I don't know. She wasn't here when I got back from the store. Must have gone out. Oh. Well, she'll be back. Leave it to Ma. But she didn't come back. How could she? Jay went to the police. They came around. They asked questions. They went away. And nothing happened. It was as easy as that. Why do I keep hearing that in my head? Why? I'm going to die. Rope around my neck. Just a little bit longer talking. Just a little. She... She was gone. And I had her house and her son. And then I didn't want him. I tell you, he made me sick just to look at him. Mama. Mama. I wanted to forget. Forget. And then, one day, I got an idea. There was more room under that iron lid in the basement, wasn't there? That was it? Yes, that was it. Got free of her, now I get free of him. Sell the house, quick, get away, away, far away. Yeah, that was it, a free woman. With my looks and all that money, oh, would I have a time. I planned everything. Told the neighbors Jay was going on a trip. I said Jade wrote me to sell the place and join him out of town. I tell you, it was perfect. He came home that night. The night I was going to let him join his mama. Anybody home? I'm always home. Oh, <laughs> you said that just like Mama used to. Did I? Say, that reminds me. I got a new detective agency working on the case. They think that maybe she lost her memory somehow. You know... Like you read about? All right, all right. What, Ella? Sit down and eat your supper. You want it to get cold? Hmm. Don't see why you don't want to talk about finding Mama. After all... Sit down and eat your supper. You'll find your Mama. You think so, Ella? Sure. Oh, say, that's good hearing you say that. Finding my Ma, that's... He sat down to eat. I'd made him a good supper. Why not? His last supper. And then it happened. We were sitting there eating. And there was a knocking at the door. No. Who can that be? How should I know? Get up and answer it. Yeah. Peddler, I'll bet you. Here. Then shut the door and come on back and finish your supper. That's funny. I heard knocking plain, didn't you? Yeah, kid's playing jokes. Go on, eat. I want you to help me fix something in the basement. Fix what? You'll see. Finish your eating first. Okay. Yeah. Crazy kid. Fantastic where you are. I'll go and... Well, away. Wait for what? Listen. That knocking. 
How funny it sounds. Those kids. But it's from the basement door. No. Well, I'd better go see No. Say, don't open that door. Don't, I tell you. Don't see why not. Somebody knocking, I gotta see who... Jay, leave the door closed. What's the matter with you? Gotta open it, gotta see... No, Jay! <gasps> no. No. Mama. Mama! Ladies and gentlemen, this moment when the dead have returned is certainly a fit one to loosen your grip on that chair and take a deep breath. And, and now back to Lights Out. Ella goes on with her story. The story of the return from death of the woman she had murdered. Yeah. It was her, all right. Yes, he was. Eyes glittering. Dirty gray old hair plastered wet around her face. Down her neck. I could see her with my own eyes. Yes, she was dead, I tell you, dead. Jay didn't know that, no. He took that dead thing by the arm, and he led her into the room. And he sat her down in his chair. Oh, Mama, Mama, you did come back. I knew you would. We both knew it, didn't we, Ella? Now tell us, Mama, where you been. Why'd you go? Yeah, why come back this funny way? The back way up the basement steps. Why, Mama? Uh, 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 Mama, you're uh, sick. Uh, oh, Ella, look, she's dripping wet. Ella, quick, take her upstairs and put her to bed. Yeah, and maybe you'd better sleep with her tonight. Keep her warm. Ella? Why are you looking so funny? Ella! Ma! Ella fainted. Why did she faint? Why? Sure, I fainted. Me sleep with that. Me keep that warm. Oh, no. I didn't wake up until next morning. Jay was leaving for work. He told me she was sleeping in her room. To take good care of her when she woke up. And he went away. Happy as Mama was back. And he was gone. I sat down there in the kitchen and waited. It got on to five. Soon he'd be coming home. I had to know. I tell you, I had to. I went upstairs. To her room. I opened the door. Nobody there. I tell you, nobody there. The dead not even slept in. She'd never been there, never. I dreamed it. Jay dreamed it. She wasn't there. She hadn't come back. I had to be sure. I went down in the basement. I pried up that old iron lid. There was the open well. I lit a lantern and held it in the black hole. I looked in. She was there. Floating in the water like a big fat Oh, But she was still there. Well, that's all that mattered. I, I piled things over the lid to hold it down. An old trunk, boxes, heavy things. That's what I did. Jay came home after a while. He said, How's Mama? I said, All right. He said, Call her down to dinner, will you? I said, Yeah, sure. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what I said. 
I knew Mama was all right where she was. <laughs> we sat down to dinner. She kept talking about her. How funny it was that she still was sleeping. How funny it was the way she came back. But all the time I was laughing inside myself because I knew what had happened was just a strange dream we both had had. Because she was dead. Dead and floating. We sat there eating. I felt good. The bad dream ended. So this night, Jay would join his mama. Women. Yeah. Women. Just like the night before. Bad. Hey, now who in the world's that? And, and it's the basement door again. Now what in the... Mama! You! Yeah, I screamed. What good was that? There she was again. The water dripping down off her face and clothes and puddling on the floor. And this time I knew it was no dream. She came into the room. She sat down on a chair. Day talking, talking all the time. She didn't see the way I saw that her face was... Started to thunder. Jay said... Mama, Mama, you should never have sneaked out on a night like this. Not a bed with you. In the morning, I'll call the doctor. Ella, you take Mama upstairs to bed. And this time, be sure you sleep with her. You know how scared she is of thunder. Go on now. She's soaked to the skin. I just sat there. I tell you, I couldn't move. Thinking of going upstairs with her, being in the same room with her. Rose me to my chair. And Jay said, I'll come to think of it. I'll go fetch the doctor right now. Can't take any more chances. Ella, you take Mama right upstairs and put her to bed. Lie down with her. Keep her warm till I get back with Dr. And he was gone. Gone after the doctor. I sat there, the flesh on me crawling. The doctor'd come, and he'd see that she was dead, dead a long time. He'd be sure to see it the way I saw it, dead, and, and the water had... Uh... How long we sat there looking at each other, I don't know. And then her lips moved, and it was like a cold wind. My son said to put me to bed. That's what she said. My son said to put me to bed. And then I understood the whole thing. She'd come back from the dead to keep me from killing him. And, and she wanted me along upstairs to... No, no, I wouldn't do it. I sat there without moving. Her lips moved again. She said to keep me warm. Come upstairs, Ella. To keep me warm. Me keeping that dead thing warm. Her wet, cold, dripping skin against... No, I wouldn't do it. She thought she'd make me crazy that way. Hold me in her bony arms until the sense in me ran out. The way the well water was running out of her. Make me crazy. <laughs> Something to be locked away like they locked my own mother away. Crazy, crazy. Oh, no. No, that wouldn't happen to me. She wouldn't make me crazy, not me. To my feet. I turned quick before she could stop me. The basement door. I locked it behind me. Ran down the basement stairs. 
I knew how to cheat her. The sure way, the only way. That's why I'm down here now. The rope around my neck. The other end tied to the cross beam. I'll jump off this ladder. The rope will stretch. I'll be dead. Dead. And she'll never get me crazy. Still thundering. If I make noises, I choke. Nobody will hear me. And I'll die. And I'll never see her again. Why don't I do it now? There ain't much time. Jay and the doctor will be coming back. I gotta be dead then. Good and dead or they'll find out the truth about her. Why don't I do it now? Why don't I do it? Because I'm afraid. Afraid of dying. That's, that's why I've been talking here in the dark, because I'm afraid. Oh, it, it'll be so dark. Empty. Things will go on in the world, and I'll have nothing but the dark. Why should I die? Yeah, why should I? If I left this house, she, she wouldn't follow me, would she? That's all she wants, the house, her Jay. Well, she can have them. I'll go. I'll go right away. Far away, they'll never find me, never. Oh, the rope tied around my neck. Oh, I, I, I gotta get it off. I gotta hurry and get away before Jay and the duck. I can't get the rope off. Oh, who's there? Who's coming down the steps? Is that you, Jay? Oh, you. You followed me down. How could you? I locked the door. Oh, but then I put that iron lid over you, too, didn't I? And it didn't do much good. Oh, listen. Listen, I'll go away. You hear me? I'll go away. This'll be your house and everything in it. Hear me? All yours again. And Jay, I'll leave him, too. I won't take anything with me. I'll just go right away. Get, get the rope off. I'll go. You'll see me go. Oh, I made the noose so tight. I can't seem to... Mrs. Kroger, what are you going to do? I'm not going to climb up the ladder. Oh, no. No, stay off. Stay off, I tell you. Don't come closer. I can't stand you coming closer. Stay away, the ladder. The ladder will fall. The rope is still on my neck. No. No. No, you you won't make me die. I've got hold of the rope with my hand. I won't choke this way. My arms are strong. I can hold on to the rope above my head for a long time. Jay will be home right away. He'll get me down. I'll live. I will, and you'll still be dead. Dead. You fell in the well. They'll believe me. They'll believe me. Well, say something. Say something. I, I know you're standing down there watching me. You, you're waiting, waiting for my arms to get tired, so I'll let go. But I won't let go. I won't. I won't. They'll be home. I can't let go. I can't. <laughs> 
I gotta live. I gotta live. Oh, my arm. Oh, I'm so tired. I gotta hold on. I gotta hold on. Or the noose. The noose. Oh, cramp an arm. Jay! Jay! I gotta cramp my... I can't hold on anymore. Jay! I wouldn't have killed you. stuff that was lights out with knock at the door quick reminder to anyone who's a patron that this weekend's film club is a k francis pre-code double bill we're watching jewel robbery and then my favorite pre-code of them all trouble in paradise terrific pair of movies so make sure you're there on sunday evening at 7 p.m bst for those of you who aren't patrons and who'd like to get in on the action, go to www.patreon.com slash attaboysecrets or click the link in the show notes or listen on to the end of this show. There's a bonus edition of this show going up every week with over 70 available right now. Plus you get your name in the credits list of every episode. Plus you can hear the first hour of the new Secret History series right now. Plus, you'll get the entire epic episode in just a few weeks' time, way before anyone else in the world gets to hear it. Plus, you can get movie commentaries and ebooks and all kinds of other bonus materials, all exclusive to patrons. I'll hopefully see you there. For now, though, thank you so much for being here today. Lovely to spend some time with you. Make sure you take superb care of yourselves and those you love. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www.attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews, and ebooks. And every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.